Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how are we doing? Welcome along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network as ever. I'm your host, Harry Simeon, and on this edition of the show, we're going to be discussing the reports uh, relating to Gabriel Martinelli. Has the Brazilian agreed to a new bumper contract deal with Arsenal that will keep him at the club for a number of years more? Is that true? We'll be getting into that. We'll be breaking that down. I'll be sharing with you guys exactly what's been reported and I'll be sharing with you guys my opinion on this, what it means with regards to the negotiations taking place with Bukayo Saka and William Saliba as well. What does it mean for them if this report is to be believed and the finances involved uh, that, well, the finances that are being reportedly involved are accurate. We'll get into all of that. We'll also talk about Cedric Suarez just briefly, who could well be on his way out of the club this January. We'll discuss the latest on Arsenal's pursuit of the Ukrainian winger Mikhailo Mudrik and we'll be touching briefly on uh, Eric Ten Hag's comments regarding uh, Manchester United and Arsenal going head-to-head in the summer for the Ajax defender, who's now a Manchester United defender, Lissandro Martinez, of course, now a world champion. We'll get into all of that on this edition of the Chronicles of a Guna podcast. If I could just ask before we dive into it, please leave a like on the video if you're watching us on YouTube. If you're listening in podcast format, then please do leave us a review wherever it is you are tuning in from. Uh, don't forget, if you want to become a member of the Chronicles of Aguna and get access to our premium content, you can do so by following the instructions in the description below. Okay, let's say a few hellos. Uh, big hello to Matt. Uh, big hello to Trev as well. Hope you're well, mate. Uh, he says, hope all is fine and dandy. All is good, man. All is good. Um, kind of looking forward to Christmas now. I hadn't been up until this point, And now I'm kind of looking forward to just having a couple of days of just chill, basically, uh, with the family, with the kids. I am uh, working Boxing Day. Uh, I am working a lot over the Christmas period. So I'm going to try and enjoy the back end of this week uh, and, and sort of use that as my sort of relaxation period, because once the football kicks in, uh, shit is going to hit the fan and it's going to be very, very busy. Not that I'm complaining, but yeah, looking forward to Christmas now and um, starting to get into that chill mode. Hope you're good as well, mate. Hope you're well. Thanks for asking. Uh, as always, uh, big hello to Temi, uh, to Nav, uh, to AJ Envoy. Uh, Temi says Harry's always late. Yep, I am. I am. Uh, <laughs> I am. But we've been through that a million and one times. Uh, Paul says, hello, Harry, watching from Kenya. Uh, we've got uh, Henry in the chat as well. And we've got let's have a discussion as well as everybody else. Uh, if I run through all of you, we'll, we'll do nothing else. So um, hello to everybody else. Hope you're good. Hope you are well. And thanks, of course, for tuning in. OK, let's get into it then. Gabriel Martinelli. We've been talking for a little while 
about his contract situation. We've been talking about the contract situation of Bukayo Saka. We've been talking about, um, you know, the contract situation of, of William Saliba as well. These are all things that Arsenal need to address and sooner rather than later. Why? Not because we're in immediate danger of losing the players, but because we want to protect ourselves as a football club. Now, those of you who tuned into yesterday's episode and heard me talk about Mikel Arteta's three years so far and where Arsenal have, uh, have, have sort of come to and, and how we're getting on and sort of the wider picture and how he's influenced the wider picture. Um, one of the things that I highlighted and pointed out was that we need to protect ourselves as a football club. It's not just about buying a shiny new toy all the time. It's about making that initial investment. And if you think that that player is going to take you to the next level and continue to be a part of the furniture moving forward, then you have to reinvest in order to keep them, but also to protect yourself from what happened to Arsenal with a number of players when we first uh, moved to the Emirates Stadium, whereby, yeah, we made an investment to bring them in. Alexis Sanchez is the example, but then we didn't want to reinvest enough, early enough to tie him down, not just with regards to him personally, in terms of what we were giving him and what his contract looked like, but we didn't want to reinvest enough as a football club to convince him that we had ambition of moving further forward. And ultimately, we ended up losing the player and we lost the player because he ran his contract down to the point where, you know, we we didn't really have all that much choice. We, he ran his contract down and, and Manchester United were able to essentially con us into taking as I've described him before, a, a, you know, a dried up Henrik Mkhitaryan, who, listen, is a great footballer and, and was a great footballer, but isn't or wasn't at his best when when we got hold of him and, and wasn't really a direct replacement for a player like Alexis Sanchez, who was incredibly dynamic, who was so um, important in the build-up, but who also uh, scored a lot of goals and dragged us through uh, games as well. So, um, yeah, you know, we have to... Um, we, we have to remember where we've been and we have to learn from the lessons of the past and we have to understand that it's not just about bringing in new players. If you really believe in players that you currently have within your books, it's about protecting yourself as a football club, as I say, but also showing them that by giving them pay rises, by giving them lucrative contracts, by giving them attractive offers that make them believe that not only are they going to be happy here uh, financially, but also kind of send a message with regards to the overall ambition of the club. That is so, so, so important. It really, really is. And, you know, if we can tie Martinelli down, then that's brilliant, brilliant business. Now, we heard this report yesterday. We touched on it on yesterday's episode just briefly. We said that there was a report coming from Sport, which is a Barcelona-based newspaper, which claimed that Gabriel Martinelli had agreed a new contract with Arsenal that will keep him at the club until at least 2027. Now, from what I understand, just kind of obviously I don't speak Spanish, but from what I understand, looking into this story, it seems that the reason sport were even talking about Gabriel Martinelli or even doing any digging or even got to the place where they learned apparently that Martinelli had come to this agreement was because Barcelona had shown an interest in the player and Barcelona were sniffing around him and had made contact with his representatives or at least people close to him and were told that you know, this is a, a, a non-conversation. Uh, There's no chance that he's going to join Barcelona at this point because he'd agreed this deal with Arsenal, this lucrative bumper new contract that will keep him at the club until 2027. But there wasn't an awful lot of detail 
in that report. However, today, uh, the Daily Mail's chief football reporter, Sammy Mockbell, has come out and said that he'll be on a similar uh, wage to Gabriel Jesus and Thomas Partey, which means he'll earn around about the 200k per week mark. Uh, and, and he also backs up the point that this is a deal that is likely to run until 2027. So there's a couple of points here. What does that mean with regards to the Bukayo Saka negotiations? How high do we now have to go with Bukayo Saka if we've agreed to give Gabriel Martinelli uh, 200k a week? And is this good value? Because I've seen a lot of people on social media this morning say, yeah, look, great. We need to um, we need to tie him down. You know, we absolutely need to make sure that these players are, are here uh, for the coming years and at least be in a position that if they do decide to leave and they want to leave and somebody shows interest, that because of the contract situation, we can demand top dollar. But as I say, I've seen some people suggest that actually £200,000 a week for somebody like Gabriel Martinelli is, is probably too much. And here's what I'd have to say about that. Okay, so we as football fans can very easily get caught up in numbers. Okay. So we look at transfer fees, we look at salaries, we we look at those things and we always home in on those things, but we don't talk about signing on fees. We rarely talk about bonuses. We mention add-ons, but very rarely understand what those add-ons are exactly, what they mean, um, you know, how they will affect us because those details are very rarely put out into the public domain. So let's take the Gabriel Martinelli case in isolation. This is a guy who cost us, what, six, seven million pounds from Ituano in Brazil. Okay, that's a very small investment, very small investment. He's gone on and been fantastic, a breath of fresh air. From the day he first appeared in an Arsenal shirt, I, I knew I loved the guy. Honestly, I knew that he was going to go on and be incredible. And you know, yes, he suffered a long-term injury, which I do think set him back a little bit. And I think he ha probably had to prove himself to Mikel Arteta when he took over uh, as well. But he's since done that. His opportunity to hold down that place on the left wing and make it his own since Emil Smith-Rowe's uh, injury problems began last season, you know, he has taken that opportunity with both hands. And look where he is today. Brazilian World Cup squad. You know, a real talent, somebody that everybody's talking about. Whenever I talk to non-Arsenal fans about a game coming up with their team, for example, when I spoke to Liverpool fans going into that game, both sort of pre-match and post-match, it was, oh my God, Gabriel Martinelli's incredible. When I talk to Chelsea fans, same thing. When I talk to Manchester United fans, same thing. Gabriel Martinelli is one of the people that we you know, uh, are really lucky to have, but also strikes fear into other teams and really does, even if he doesn't manage to impact the game completely by himself, because of that fear that he strikes into people, because they worry about his pace, his tenacity. He's technically superb, but has all of those other attributes as well. He is a, an opponent's nightmare. And the fact that people talk about him in that way, to me, tells me that he's A, ready to be, you know, regular and, and, you know, and, and as we've seen in recent times, that's been proven correct. Uh, but what we've also seen is that he is worth the investment, in my opinion. You know, he is fully worth paying 200k a week for. Now, this is the going rate these days. This is the going rate. You know, you might think off the top of your head that it's crazy money. I do too. When somebody says to me 200 grand a week, my first reaction is, whoa, that is a hell of a lot of money. But really, in this day and age, in football terms, is it that much money? 
No. And I think the reason Arsenal would be happy to give him that bit more money and to go that extra mile is A, to add years onto the contract, so to make the length of that contract longer, which protects them for longer. But B, they'll look at what they initially invested in him, which was very, very little, and and feel like they can go a little bit further as a result of that. I, I really do believe that plays a part in it. You know, you look at somebody like William Saliba, we invested around about 27, 28 million pounds uh, Bukayo Saka, the other one that we're obviously sort of hoping will sign a new deal. He came up through the academy. So what you're talking about here is you're talking about a combined investment of 33, 34, maybe 35 million on Saka, Saliba and Martinelli in terms of what it costs to bring them to the football club. So if you have to go that extra mile to keep them, and you have to go a little bit further, maybe push your boundaries that little bit higher in terms of your finances, then that is absolutely fine with me. Absolutely fine. And and that's how you got to look at it. you got to look at the bigger picture because often we look at transfer fees, we look at salaries, but we don't look at all the stuff in between. We don't take into account all the other bits and pieces. And the finances of football are far more complex um, than, than I know or that most of you know. And, and that's... That's why sometimes we have to think about this logically, not get caught up by the number and actually understand why that number is now acceptable, why the club feel that that number is okay. And when I thought about this this morning, I thought about the low level of investment into the player in the first place, the quality that he's shown, the promise that he's shown. And obviously you want to get him on a long-term contract because even if in two, three years he decides he wants to go, if he's still got a couple of years left on his contract, perhaps even more, you are in a position where you can demand the biggest transfer fee that you possibly could. And that is something that Arsenal haven't done for a long, long time. So listen, if this is true, if Gabriel Martinelli has agreed that deal, if he is going to be signing on the dotted line and committing his future to Arsenal Football Club until 2027, I am going to be delighted over the moon. These are still reports at the moment. We don't have it confirmed by the club. We don't have it confirmed by a David Ornstein or a, a Charles Watts or or anybody who's, you know, particularly notable in the Arsenal space. Sammy Mockbell is a brilliant journalist. But, you know, if you look at the, the Arsenal space, there are a handful of people that we look at and we say, yep, you are kind of the, the go-tos. And, you know, we're still kind of waiting for that. And I'm sure those people are digging and trying desperately to find out any information that they can. But this is an encouraging and very positive rumour uh, at the moment, and one that you feel will probably go into um, that territory of becoming a reality, and hopefully it does. I said at the beginning, what does that mean for Bukayo Saka? Well, that means now that with Bukayo Saka, you need to be talking about that type of figure as well. You know, there's been a lot of conversations around what Bukayo Saka deserves to earn from Arsenal, you know, what his level is and how important he is to the football club going forward. And again, let's go to Let's go back to what I was saying before. This is, again, a guy that Arsenal didn't invest a big transfer fee in. OK, they've invested time and effort and money indirectly in bringing him up through the academy. But this was someone that's come through that academy. And so, again, you will probably feel as a football club that you can go that extra mile with regards to his salary now. And look, if, if Martinelli's on 200k a week, then Saka wants to be on in excess of 200k a week. And 
that's the the one bit that you got to be careful of. If you're willing to go that far on one, you're going to have to go that far on his peers as well. And I think Arsenal would be happy to go that far on Bukayo Saka. You know, I really do. I think they really do rate him. I think they really do love him. They really want to keep him at the club. He, in so many ways, represents the club. You know, London kid, um, you know, really humble, really good guy, uh, really down to earth, come up through the academy. It is representative, representative, I beg your pardon, of what the Arsenal dream is. You know, of course, there'll be people in all corners of the world that want to play for Arsenal, but a London-born kid to come up through the ranks and essentially go on to become the Arsenal star, that's the dream. That's the dream story. And Bukayo Saka represents that. So that's another reason, aside from his incredible footballing ability, that Arsenal will will want to tie him down as well and probably won't mind, just like in the case of Martinelli, going that extra mile. William Saliba is another one. Arsenal Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favourite podcast app. Future you will thank you. I've sent him out on loan a couple of times, three times, in order to, you know, make sure that he was at the level that they wanted him to be. But I think he's definitely shown now that he has all the makings of a top, top centre-back. He really has. And so, you know, you go that extra mile for him as well. And that's just the way it's going to be. You know, that's that's how it is. That's what happens. And I think Arsenal, knowing that they've invested and built well to the point now where they should get Champions League next season at a minimum, probably gives them a little bit more encouragement from a financial standpoint with regards to being able to go that extra mile as well. So everything seems to be falling into place. And obviously, we're going to have a nervous wait to make sure that these three guys specifically that I've mentioned all do sign on the dotted line and all do end up, um, you know, committing their futures to the clubs. But this, these negotiations, they can have knock-on effects, right? So you tie down Martinelli, that sends the right message to Saka. You tie down Saka, that sends the right message to Saliba. And it sends the right message to everybody else looking from the outside in at Arsenal Football Club and to anybody who may be considering joining or anybody that the club go out and try to lure uh, to North London. It sends the right messages. They're huge club statements if we can get these deals over the line. And I think with the Martinelli one, again, although it's not been 100% confirmed, I'm pretty confident that this does get done. And I'm pretty confident that this has a positive impact on the negotiations currently ongoing between Arsenal and Saka and Arsenal and Saliba too. So that's the latest. Gabriel Martinelli, according to reports, has agreed a long-term contract extension with the club that will see him remain at Emirates Stadium until at least 2027. He is said uh, to be um, looking to earn 200k per week approximately, which puts him in the same category as Gabriel Jesus and, of course, Thomas Partey. Right, in other news, uh, Fulham apparently are looking to sign Cedric Suarez from Arsenal this January. Now, we've seen rumours of this floating around for the last couple of days. TalkSport's Alex Crook uh, went on record yesterday and said that Fulham are close 
to signing um, Cedric Suarez from Arsenal. Look, he's fallen down the pecking order in terms of fullbacks. There's no question about that. And I think Mikel Arteta, you know, is, is very much like if he feels you've been a loyal servant and he feels you've given all you can, he won't stand in your way. He didn't stand in Callum Chambers' way, even when that didn't really make sense. He didn't stand in Ainsley Maitland-Niles' way at the end when that didn't really make sense uh, to let him go at that point either. Um, but yeah, you know, let him go. Uh, let him go. And if you get something in for him, anything. If Arsenal earned £1 million uh, from Cedric Suarez's transfer in terms of a fee, that's a profit based on transfer fees alone because we signed him for free. So, you know, Fulham, you want him, cough up three, four million pounds. That goes some way in funding Martinelli's contract. That goes some way in helping us with add-ons potentially in the Mudrick deal. That goes some way in subsidising some of the wages that we're giving out to some of our big players. Every little helps in football. And we've been so bad uh, in terms of making profits on players over the years, it would be kind of ironic and kind of funny, wouldn't it? If Cedric Suarez was the one whom we made a profit from. Speaking about transfer fees alone, obviously. But yeah, uh, that's the latest on him. Uh, Gabby Jesus has also been posting on social media uh, with regards to his recovery. Uh, obviously, he's uh, trying to work his way back to fitness. He's currently in the resting stage at the moment, having had the operation, what, a couple of weeks ago now. Uh, Gabby Jesus, but hopefully we get him back sooner rather than later. I did see some reports earlier in the week that claim that we were hoping to get him back for February 25th. However, I haven't seen that verified. I haven't heard that from the club. I don't think it's in the club's interest to put that out into the public domain. So I will take that with a pinch of salt. Uh, but that's what people are suggesting, that he could be back potentially by the end of February, which isn't the end of the world, I guess. At least you'd have him for the final stretch of the season, which could be really, really key. With regards to the latest on Mikhailo Mudrik, uh, the Ukrainian uh, still at the centre of everything Arsenal at the moment in terms of reports, rumours and stories. Uh, Arsenal are working on a deal, we understand, to try and bring him in. Shakto CE, uh, Shakto, Shakhtar, I beg your pardon, CEO Carlo Nicolini uh, said that there's interest from a number of clubs in Mikhailo Mudrik, but there have been no official offers yet. He did, however, name drop Arsenal in the conversation. He said, There is interest from Arsenal. I cannot deny it. So, based on what he said, and again, look, sometimes CEOs, directors of football, they put things out into the media very, very deliberately, and sometimes it's a load of old tosh. But he has name-dropped Arsenal, in my opinion, for a reason. I think he's trying to potentially spark a bidding war. I think what you do as a CEO as well of a selling club is, if you come out now today and you say, Arsenal are interested in my player, and all of the fans want Arsenal to go out and get this player, the pressure on Arsenal to do that deal, whether they crumble to it or not, increases. Because now everybody's looking on and saying, well, Arsenal are interested. Arsenal do like this player. Arsenal do want this player. If we don't go and get him, it's because we wouldn't go that extra mile. It's because we wouldn't meet Shakhtar's demands. And then that is what causes disconnect between fans and football clubs. Well, we were interested in him, but we didn't go that extra mile and get him. Lack of ambition. We let the manager down. That's why we're going to fall away this season. All of those narratives will start building up in the background. And so I think as a football club, as a buying club, you don't want this. You don't want 
the CEO of a club that you're trying to buy from coming out and name dropping you at this point. But it's the world's worst kept secret at this moment that Arsenal are interested in Mikhailo Mudrik and Nicolini has just added further fuel to that fire and the potential uproar that could come if Arsenal don't go out and sign him now. So Arsenal are having the pressure on themselves right now increased to go out there and get this deal done and to sign Mikhailo Mudrik. Um, according to Ben Jacobs of CBS Sports, Arsenal are hoping to land the player for around about 50 million euros, which is about 42, 43, maybe 44 on the current exchange rate, million pounds uh, plus add-ons. You know, I think that's about my maximum 50 million euros for Mikhailo Mudrik. I know he's a talent. I know that a lot of people like him. I know that he is one that could potentially go on to be uh, at an incredibly high level. But, you know, based on what we've seen of him so far and what we know of him, I would be reluctant to break that 50 million barrier on Mikhailo Mudrik, despite what some have suggested, um, you know, already this uh, this past couple of months with regards to Shakhtar wanting 60, 70, potentially 80. Not a chance. Arsenal haven't gone over 50 million for pretty much anybody. Um, you know, give or take a, a few mil here or there. They've clearly got a ceiling in terms of what they want to invest in individual players. And the 50 million mark feels about right. Um, you know, we saw it with Ben White. Uh, we saw it with with Gabriel Jesus as well. You know, 40, 45, around that Arsenal quite happy to do it. But to go further um, is something that Arsenal simply won't do and, and probably shouldn't do in the case of Mikhailo Mudrik. So that's where I'm at on that. Uh, but as I say, Shakhtar Donetsk CEO, Carlo Nicolini, says there's interest, although there have been no official offers yet, but did confirm that there is interest from Arsenal. And he said he cannot deny it, uh, which was the interesting part for me. Uh, just quickly wanted to touch on a, a quote uh, coming out of Manchester United. Eric Ten Hag has been talking about Lissandro Martinez. Now, of course, Arsenal were in the run uh, to sign him. Arsenal were in the mix. Arsenal were interested in the Argentine. Eric Ten Hag has been speaking and he said, look, Martinez himself wanted to leave Ajax anyway. If we hadn't taken him, he would have gone to Arsenal. They wanted him and he was a top priority there. Ten Hag said that he called me at one point and he said, coach, listen, I'm leaving Ajax anyway. I could sign with Arsenal, but if you want me, I'm going to Manchester United. So Lissandro Martinez um, you know, was considering a move to Arsenal. Arsenal were considering making that transfer happen. But clearly, as was suspected, and we've kind of had confirmation of that now, it seems as though uh, the relationship with Eric Ten Hag, as, as, as I say, as many people suspected, was the factor that made him choose Manchester United. I've said it before, you know, Arsenal were great last season in terms of their improvement shown and in terms of their level, and, and they were very unlucky not to make Champions League football. And then you looked at what they were doing in the summer in comparison to where Manchester United had finished up last season. And from a football perspective, purely football, there was no reason to choose United over Arsenal. OK, you can make the case that financially Manchester United are a more powerful entity. And I probably agree with that. You can make the case that Manchester United's history obviously stands them in good stead when they go into these types of negotiations. But there had to be something else with Lissandro Martinez that tipped the balance. And it seems it was Eric Ten Hag. We all th thought and suspected it probably was. But that's, I guess, some confirmation for us on that. 
Okay, let me take a few of your questions, a few of your thoughts from the live chat box before um, I log off. Uh, big hello uh, to Henry, who says, got a big Christmas present, H, another grandchild. Congratulations to you, mate. Congratulations to the family. Um, always great um, welcoming a new uh, a new little one into the family. And uh, I guess as a grandparent, it's even better because you get all the great points and then you get to hand them back to mum and dad uh, when you uh, when you finish up and uh, and when it's time for them to eat, sleep and all the other stuff that, that can be quite uh, arduous in terms of as a task. So, uh, yeah, congratulations to you, mate. Uh, wishing your family all the best. And of course, have uh, a wonderful Christmas. Uh, let's see what you guys are saying then. If we just touch on um, some of your comments. Uh, Nav says, are you still doing two months free? on your podcast, bro. I am indeed. Um, let me, uh, let me get you a code. Um, I have to put a code on, uh, there to make sure that you get that discount. So hold fire, mate. Don't sign up now. Uh, sign up when I, uh, get a chance to just quickly grab that code and drop it in the description. Keep your eyes peeled. I'll do it later on today. Um, or if I don't get around to doing it today, definitely on the next episode, I'll give you all the code. Uh, that means that you can join up and get that two months uh, free membership over on another slice. You'll get access to our premium content, which is going to be picking back up, of course, uh, with the Premier League returning. Can't wait. Got so many exciting things planned. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, Richard says, Merry Christmas, Harry, to you and your beautiful family. Thanks for all the content this year. Thank you to you, mate, uh, for tuning in and for the well wishes as well. Really, really uh, do appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much. Um, Dave says, Harry, if you're going to offer them that much money, you should be getting them on a six-year contract because of their age. Uh, yeah, the, the longer the better. I think five years is about is about as far as most players will commit to, I think, in the future. Um, you know, on the one hand, young players, you think, yeah, let's tie them down on these mega bumper contracts that are going to keep them there for the next five, six years. But some of them are quite happy to stay at a club like Arsenal for five, six years because they've been, or because they're so young and they feel that they still will have time post that to have another chapter, which is, um, which is, which is always, um, you know, part of someone's thinking I think like if you're if you're Gabby Martinelli and you absolutely adore Arsenal and you love Arsenal but in the back of your mind when you're growing up you you always felt you know I want to go and play in La Liga at some point if you commit for five years you probably can still go on and achieve that afterwards as well so it's the point I'm trying to make is that it's all good saying that the club should tie them down for these periods of times but you've also got to get the players to agree to it as well you've got to get buy-in from both sides and I think that's probably where uh, the difficulty comes uh, what else have we got in the live chat? Just looking at some of the figures that you guys are asking for, for Cedric Suarez. Uh, Jabu says uh, eight to 10 million pounds, please. I'd be shocked. I would fall off my chair if Arsenal got that for Cedric. Temi says five million pounds. That's, I guess, achievable. Um, <laughs> Mint says 10 million. I'd take 10 pounds and a box of mince pies. Uh, Pritesh says, what do you think of Turam? Uh, obviously, Marcus Turam of France and, uh, and you know, currently playing his football in the Bundesliga is rumoured to be somebody that his club would be allowed, allowing to move on this January for as little as, what was it? I, I read the other day, £12 million. I'm not totally convinced about Marcus Turam. I think he'd be a decent squad option, 
but I, he doesn't start for me in Arsenal's front line when everybody's fit and available. So are we wanting to bring in players that can definitely compete for starting places that are on an equal uh, footing to the likes of Saka, Martinelli, which I think that Arsenal think Mikhailo Mudrik probably is. Turam represents good value because of how much he's available for. And obviously he's been to a World Cup final and he's, you know, he's played a lot. But, you know, is that one of those cases like when you go into a shop and you see a bargain and you buy it because the price was good, but then actually practically did you need it? And, and where are you going to use it? I do that all the time, especially when I go to Ikea. I walk around Ikea. I pick up all sorts of crap that I'm never going to use. And I buy it and I come home and I'm like, I bought this because it was cheap and it caught my eye. But the reality is, am I going to use it? Is it of any use to me? Is it any good to me? And most of the time, it probably isn't. Uh, it probably isn't. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not interested in that one, to be honest with you. It's not one I'd be running to do. Um, I don't think we're in that desperate a situation just yet. OK, guys, I'm going to leave it there. Uh, I'm going to jump off. I'm going to head uh, into 90 min towers and uh, I will see you all tomorrow with some more content unless some major major news drops don't forget to leave a like on the video don't forget to subscribe to the channel if you are new uh, there's over a couple of hundred of you with me live right now but there's only 46 likes on the board which is simply not acceptable let's try and drive that up to around about 100 uh, thank you all so much in advance for that uh, for those of you that want to sign up to the Chronicles of Aguna Premium uh, on the next episode, let's leave it till the next episode to make sure that I don't forget. I will give you all the details that you need to get that two month discount uh, that we are offering right up until uh, Christmas time. So, yeah, love to see more of you over there. And I'm sure you'll enjoy the content that is coming your way. Thank you all again. I'll see you all soon. Until next time. Goodbye. And uh, come on, Gabby, sign the thing. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.